0: to episode 39 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Brandon Shawan and joining me tonight we have Ash Collins, Ash. How are things going tonight? Smooth. Good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and how about and we also have Mark Nadu. How are things with you, Mark? Oh, I'm good. Sipping some uh Artbig
1: Scotch. Reclining in my seat, hopefully I won't fall asleep. Perfect.
0: Yeah, I hope we I hope we are entertaining t- uh, enough to ourselves that we at least stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, if you hear me snore just, you know, like send me a dick pic or something. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll get, I'll get that on standby just in case. <laughs> All right. So today we are going to continue through our Tarantino-thon with a discussion about uh, Tarantino's second film, Pulp Fiction, and we're also going to talk about Black Mirror season one episode two so those should both be just riveting discussions i'm sure but before we do that i want to clear something up so last week i erroneously stated that there were nine episodes of black mirror um and so that was if that were the case we were going to split kill bill into two podcasts to keep everything in line well i was wrong and a big thank you to Brent, one of our loyal listeners, for pointing that out to me. Uh, season three of Black Mirror is not three episodes. like I thought it's actually only one episode. I think it's a holiday special at that. Um, I just misread it when I was looking at it through Netflix. And so uh, that means that there's only seven episodes of Black Mirror in total. And so we will not be splitting up Kill Bill anymore. Instead, um, because Kill Bill volumes one and two will be a very long viewing session and uh, potential potentially a long discussion uh we are going to review only kill bill on that episode and not do a, an episode of black mirror on that podcast and then pick up again with black mirror in the following episode meaning that the um pop the this podcast arc is only going to be eight episodes and not nine which is actually perfect so it worked out really well um and also note We are going to be taking a week off after that Kill Bill episode, uh, just because I'm going on vacation. Um, And that one's uh, just those two films together are just going to be too long to add in another film after it to kind of do a recording back-to-back to to fill that void while we're gone. But uh, So we're just going to skip that week because of vacation. So if you're interested, I actually updated the schedule. You can visit cinefessions.com backslash podcast schedule. And that's going to be one word. So cinefessions.com backslash podcast schedule. And uh, we have our current arc listed there. So those are the... The dates listed are going to be the potential, um, the planned, at least, episode release dates. And so you can see which episode of Black Mirror is going to go along with which film, if you care to. Um, And if what I'm saying doesn't make sense, it will make a lot more sense when you take a look at the actual dates and everything. So that's what's going on there. Uh, Again, thank you to Brent for pointing out my mistake. And uh, I apologize that I wasn't more thorough in my research of that. But we got it all sorted out now. So I'm happy. You're happy. We're all a big... Happy family or something like that.
1: Well, I'm kind of bummed. I was hoping to be more episodes of Black Mirror.
0: <laughs> I know. So I'm,
1: only know there's only seven, I was like, "Ugh." Yeah, I've already like finished like a good 17 of the show.
0: Right? Yeah. Brent didn't so much as like point out. hey, say like, "Hey, jackass, you're wrong." He was like, "Wait, is there more episodes that I'm missing?" And Brent, so I like had to double check. And no, oh, yeah. Only hey, seven. jackass.
1: That's my uh, British <laughs> accent. Hey, 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 jackass. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. I sound too much like. uh <laughs> I sound too much like uh, uh, Marty McFly's uh, dad, George. Hey, you. I, that's why I don't do accents.
0: Oh, For man. I Yeah, th- that was one thing I was always terrible at in all my acting classes was accents. I fucking hate doing accents so much.
1: Boy, jackass. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's why I've never cast anything.
0: Oh, God. I love your I love your attempt at it, though. It's It's fresh and just exciting to hear. So thank you.
1: You can't succeed without failing once or twice, right?
0: That's right. Amen to that. So uh, we're actually also still waiting for our iTunes reviews to just start pouring in, which I just is, I can feel it. It's going to happen any fucking minute now. So don't be shy. Get on iTunes, give us a review, and that way we can give you some free movies. So again, all you have to do is fill out an iTunes review on the Cinefessions podcast, then email us at contact at cinefessions.com. Let us know you submitted that review and make sure you include your shipping address in there because that is where we are going to send you your free movies. So the first five listeners to do so are actually going to win a horror slash sci-fi slash cult movie grab bag of some sort that I'm going to put together and send out to you. So it's a quick and painless way to win movies, which, I mean, that always makes me happy. So I imagine it makes others happy as well.
1: And if you're... Not into putting your personal address on iTunes. No, no, not I in always, I, yeah. Oh, like on via D, uh, via Twitter or something. Because I was gonna say you can always like send us a message via Twitter, a DM or something. Here's our address. Here's a link to the to the review in case uh, you know, those don't want to have their addresses posted online or anything like that.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, that's why email email me, contact us in the fashions.com or uh yeah, DM one of us works too. I don't care. I just I, I yeah, I wouldn't expect you to put your put it out there for the world to see. But uh, one of us have to see it so that we can send you your shit. Yeah. So uh, I ain't gonna do anything with it. I ain't selling it. You know what I mean? I might show up, but why the fuck not? Who yeah. wouldn't want me to show up? Really?
1: Oi! Who's at my doorstep? <laughs> yeah. No, right? It just doesn't work. <laughs> I was doing a killer Razor Ramon uh, 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 accent in the shower, Um, but due to the lack of, uh, I guess, uh, shower tiles, it just doesn't work well. I was going to (laughs) start off with that, and I'm like, no, it's too spacey in here. (laughs) (laughs) Hell. See, no, that doesn't work. Uh, Yo, did you have a toothpick? Well, I I had one, and I threw it at my uh, computer screen, and now it's scratched. God damn those two Because
0: I am strong. (laughs) Uh, And uh, one thing I do want to thank Brent. Um, I actually was told via some random other person who I don't know on Twitter that there are actually like 155 different iTunes stores or some ridiculous number like that. And each country has its own store. And so Brent actually reviewed the Sinefessions podcast on the UK iTunes store which I was able to uh, actually look at this past week. And so thank you, Brent, for that review. We really appreciate that. And just for those keeping track, that was a five-star review, which are always our favorite.
1: And that's actually 15 and a half stars with the exchange rate. Ah,
0: you know what? I didn't think about that. We'll include that in our uh, average. Yeah,
1: that's that's very true. It's (laughs) too generous. Way too generous.
0: (laughs) All right. Oh, man. All right. So with that bullshit out of the way. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's all i had that time mark did you do anything fun in the world of media this past week
1: uh not really i just again because the way my work schedule worked uh between uh getting ready for this podcast i was only able to watch two flicks okay on my uh, days off uh one actually was on my night shift at work Uh, a girl i work with had never seen american psycho before oh God. Right. Yes. So we rectified that the next shift. And yeah. that was awesome. I, I'm a huge American Psycho.
0: It is brilliant. Uh,
1: yeah. I think like this is what at least would put Christian Bell on my map. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, he's he's just amazing. I must have seen this film over like 20, 30 times. And wow. I just don't get tired of it. It's just perfect. Yeah. You know? Um, So yeah, so I watched American Psycho. And uh, last night, uh, between viewings of uh, Pulp Fiction, I rewatched What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, okay. Yeah, the uh, mockumentary uh, vampire flick from New Zealand. Um, I had seen it before. Loved it the first time I saw it. Watched again last night. And it holds up so strongly. Um, You know, it's like uh, I watched Cooties. Loved it the first time I saw it. Second time... I actually really hated it.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, So I was
1: afraid to watch this again right off the bat just because I didn't want it to affect Mm -hmm. the way I thought of it. And uh, yeah, what we do in the Shadows, uh, you know, I checked my letterbox. I'd given it four stars the first time I saw it. Yeah. I bumped it up to five this time. Oh, nice. There's a few things you you don't catch upon first viewings of things, you Mm -hmm. know? And. Yeah, I, I just, I just love this one so much. It's so much funnier on the second shot because you kind of know what's going on. So you can actually maybe observe more mannerisms and mm-hmm. whatnot, you know? And, uh, I love the character of, of Peter, the, uh, the oldest vampire that lives in the basement, the one that looks like Nosferatu. Uh, just because he doesn't say anything, it's just the looks he makes in the camera. It just uh oh, just makes me laugh. It's just these subtle little things, you know. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. Uh, it's just the way you look at the camera. It's kind of one of those like, yeah, can you can relate to this type of thing? Like, look at this guy, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I I I loved it. It's it's a fantastic film. Those who haven't seen it yet, it's it's a must get. It's a must have to your library. Um, I, I I don't know of any horror fans that don't like this film.
0: Yeah, you know, I haven't checked it out yet, but I've heard so many good things about it. I have to uh, put it toward the top of my list.
1: Yeah, I'll stop talking about it then. Uh, okay. Not that you can really, it's a mockumentary. It sounds like you right. can really, really like ruin anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, it's a must watch. It is so funny. It's awesome. it's so, so funny. Yeah, so th- apart from that, that's pretty much it. Um, I finished season four of Supernatural. Okay. So I'm only about a decade behind on that show now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because then on like season 11 or 12, uh, so uh, I finished yeah, that. Way up there. Yeah, yeah, and I'm enjoying it. You know, it's it's like a poor man's X Files, but I find it very funny and uh, I, and gorier than I expected it to be. Uh, like okay. the uh, the I guess season end of season three, I thought was really gory, which I won't explain since you know it's a spoiler thing, mm-hmm. even though it's a decade old. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, I still know what happens at the end of Citizen Kane, so you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah so I finished season 4 and I'm watching A Master of None with uh, it's the uh, it's the uh, Aziz uh, Ansari uh, show from Netflix okay uh, which I'm really liking a little cringy though uh, just because I, I, I like the character and he put himself into these situations where you know he actually puts my stimming to knots uh, but I just watched an episode that had a shout out to Winnipeg oh hey Winnipeg which I like because <laughs> I'm from Winnipeg go Jets and uh, <laughs> had an episode. Like I haven't watched. Um, is it what's a Claire Dane show? Uh, House, uh, Home Sense, House, uh, Home on Showtime. Home Front. Yeah. Home Front. Is it Home Front? I thought it was Home Sense. Sa- Anyways, yeah, the show think, that she does it? on uh, on Showtime. I haven't watched it yet. So Homeland. It. Homeland. Homeland. That's it. That's it.
0: Okay. Home Front's the video game.
1: Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, so I haven't seen Homeland yet, even though I've, wa- I've I own the first three seasons. I just haven't had the chance to. Watch it. Okay. Uh, but she's on an episode of, uh, of Master of None. And I always thought she was, she was nice, you know, like in my so called life, whatever grew up around the same time. Mm-hmm. But I thought she was jaw dropping gorgeous in this episode of Master of None. Because I hadn't seen her in a long time. I'm like, oh my God, that's Claire Danes And wow. Well, yeah. Okay. She just took my breath away. Awesome. Yeah. So I screen capped everything and I put it all in a binder. <laughs> <laughs> so. If anybody uh, wants to look at the pictures, they're in my bed. Whatever.
0: <laughs> so, what else did you guys do this week? <laughs> oh man! I, don't
2: know that I can top that, right?
0: <laughs> you don't have a binder. That's, that's
2: <laughs> I made baby. I I I don't keep a binder. I have the internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what did you do this this past week? Anything good?
2: Uh, finished all of uh, the rest of season four of Longmire, so I'm all caught up on that. Um, I got started on Lizzie Borden Chronicles. I am a okay. few episodes into that. Um, if you didn't like Lizzie Borden Took an Axe, the Lifetime mm-hmm. show or film, you won't like the show because it's it's basically picking up where the movie left off. So this and is, I... kind of it's like an alternate history take of. Of what could have happened, type of thing.
0: This is the one that just hit Netflix, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't. I didn't realize it was a TV series. I thought it was another movie.
2: No. Is yeah. That? It's a. It's a. It's only eight episodes long. Um. Okay. They they got halfway through. Basically, it looks like they got halfway through a season, and uh, Lifetime didn't like the ratings, so they just opted uh-huh. not to make it anymore. Oh, so, uh, okay. Well, yeah, or they only made eight episodes and just decided not to make for a season. Okay. So, so I don't know if it ends on a cliffhanger or if it resolves what they're working on or not. But,
1: gotcha. Um, is that with Christina it. Ricci?
2: Yes. Ah, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, um, I, I loved it personally. I loved the, the Lizzie Borden film. I thought it was an interesting take on it. The show lacks a little bit of the charm, I think of the film. Okay. Um, but Christina Ricci is Lizzie Borden is still fantastic. I love her in that. And they, Think of it like basically, it's like the Lifetime was trying to redo Dexter almost. Hmm. Um, um, but I- instead of going after you know uh, bad guys, Lizzie's going after people that piss her off. Um, <laughs> so so there's that. Um, but yeah, I'm only like three episodes in. Yeah, three episodes in. I've got to get. I'm I wanted to finish watching that. And I think I'll review it for the site. Excellent. Um, uh, let's see, what else did I watch? We watched two movies. Um, The Diabolical, which both of these are on Netflix. Um, Diabolical, which one was that? Oh, the one with Ellie Larder. Um, <laughs> she's, she and her kids are like being terrorized by what they think is a, some kind of ghosts in their house. Okay. And like nobody will help them. Um, and it's, it, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a thriller. Um, kind of supernatural kind of sci-fi um it's not aliens (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah it uh it was pretty good they they do a lot of neat uh neat things with it and the the ending i didn't see coming so i like that cool Uh, but that one that one was pretty good Uh, and the other one we watched was the hollow uh
0: that sounds familiar
2: let's see the hollow the Hollow was, um, on Halloween, three sisters en route to Shelter Island get stranded in the woods during a killer storm and soon find out they're not alone.
0: Oh, um, yeah, okay. Uh,
2: yeah, this one wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I mean, it was, it was decent. I mean, my wife and I sat and watched the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, and we both enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that was the other thing. They had some decent actors that they didn't do anything with, which is oh. kind of disappointing. Um yeah, they had a number of good actors and they just did it to die quickly. <laughs> um, but the, the, basically they, there is a, uh, evil spirit, well, several evil spirits in this in reincarnating this monster going around killing everyone on this Island for a crime or murder that happened a hundred years ago. Okay. Uh, and it, it, it was interesting. There's some, there's some, some good effects and some okay effects. Um, but it's not it's not necessarily gory, it's more supernatural and and kinda creepy a little bit. But and it fits it kinda hits all the the creature feature beats type of thing. Yeah. And they don't and it's a little predictable. But. So
0: you'd recommend the diabolical over um the hollow?
2: Yeah, if you had to pick between the two, I'd watch the diabolical over the hollow. Um and they're both pretty decent. It depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a creature feature, uh, with a little less gore for The Hollow if you want something that's a little more like a thriller, but was some kind of uh, more uh, supernatural sci-fi elements to it Go for
1: uh, Diabolical. Yeah, I've heard lesser things regarding The Hollow, but without seeing it, you can't really crap on it, right? Um, right. But uh, those in my circle of friends uh, don't have uh, super kind words for that film, but okay. I still have yet to see it, so I hmm. can't really it, it shit was... on it.
2: Yeah, it was it was worth it, I and mean, it was worth it just plopping on the couch and watching with my wife. That was basically it. We were just kind of browsing through, and it's like, eh, sure, we'll watch it.
0: So Awesome. Yeah, so I I really didn't do too terribly much either. I only watched uh, uh, one movie, and then uh, I, I really – I've been playing a lot more Madden uh, 16. I'm trying to get my speedy quarterback to the playoffs, and that's actually where I'm at right now. I earned a bye to the second round, so I'm excited to get back to that tomorrow. Um, Fortunately, I only have to work until 2 o'clock tomorrow, and then I have a a four-and-a-half-day weekend, so I'm pretty excited about that. Nice. Yeah, it's Bridget's uh, birthday on Friday, so we're going to go hit the casino and do all that fun stuff. And I took days off for that, so that'll be good. But I also, we watched uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. It was actually the first time I've seen it. I haven't seen it since it came out. What? Uh, Yeah.
2: I was going to say, I thought you watched
0: it. No, not yet. Uh, Well, I hadn't yet. Um, but I, we actually ended up watching the rogue cut over the theatrical, and I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome.
1: So, what's I, the difference with that cut? I've never seen that cut before. I didn't want to I, double dip and buy that version of the film.
0: Yeah, uh, Ash, you're probably a better person to explain because I think you've seen both. But as far as I know, basically the theatrical cut yeah, has no rogue. Right? Yeah, so, rogue uh, isn't yeah go in ahead. And, what's in the difference?
2: Um, it's probably about 10 to 15 minutes of footage. It's not just that they added rogue in, they add uh, a couple other scenes with Mystique and uh, a couple other, uh, there's like a couple other little scenes and lines of dialogue they add back into it. Um, but they actually, like, it, it while the theatrical cut works, the rogue cut works a little better because there were, it wasn't like a plot hole, but it was just like uh, this, the the act, the third act of the film felt like it was missing something in the theatrical cut a little bit. But mm-hmm. I liked the what they did with the rogue cut. It didn't – I can see why they cut it for, yeah. the, you know, for the theatrical run, but I prefer the the rogue cut myself because it it, it adds something to it.
0: Um, I, yeah, I can't imagine the film without rogue in it now that I've seen only the rogue cut. Like I just I, – I feel like it would be <laughs> very different.
1: I'm a bit miffed at that, just the fact that I bought the film and then like what, maybe two months later they came out with the rogue cut? Yeah, the it was, uh, it was
2: longer whole, than that.
1: Was it? Yeah,
2: wait, yeah they, it just seemed was
1: back to back. But
2: it was no, it was they. It was like six, eight months, something like that. It was a while. Oh. Like they had actually announced the road cut, and they were initially going to put it out with the other release, and then they right. decided to wait. And I don't know whether they were whether there was a problem with it or or what. But
0: yeah, that's why I actually ended up holding off on the uh, original it was when it came out it was because I knew. I'd heard that this Rogue Cut was coming. And the cool thing about the Rogue Cut, I know it it pisses you off because you bought the original. Yeah. Um, But the one cool thing about the Rogue Cut is that it comes with the Rogue Cut and the theatrical cut uh, both on there, which on the same Blu-ray, which is pretty cool. You're much more smarter and prettier than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Both fallacies. I won't believe uh, it. Yeah,
2: I ended up up owning both.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the original came out October 14th. Of 2014, and the um, the road cut that Blu ray came out.
2: It was like April.
0: That's still kind of garbage, though. Just six months between releases July. of
1: the same film, July. Eh? Yeah, oh, yeah, it was, okay, it was longer, uh, still less than a year, right? You know? Hold off, you know. Yeah, yeah. but Fox.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I think, I think maybe actually it might have had something to do with Brian Singer working on Apocalypse 2, uh, the X-Men Apocalypse film. I think that might have been part of the reason why they ended up having to delay the road cut, because you had to, you know, do Direct the edits. of the film, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, but I I loved um, Days of Future Past. I, I honestly, I think I might like it better than First Class, which I didn't think was going to happen, because I love First Class. Um, but it just, it... Is very entertaining, is the best way I can, you know, the best compliment I can give it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm really excited for Apocalypse. I've seen the trailers and uh, I I think that's just going to be great.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's too.
0: uh, Speaking of trailers, one that just came out today. I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if you guys have seen it. Did they
2: release another Deadpool trailer?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no. The Purge 3. Oh, um, yeah. election year have you guys checked out that trailer
2: i saw I the s- poster for it and i was like no i'm not gonna bother looking at <laughs> yeah. the trailer see oh,
0: i saw God. the
1: poster and i said yes fuck yeah <laughs> that said, so, oh, i yeah, still haven't did. seen i still haven't seen anarchy
0: yet i own it but i haven't watched it uh yeah. but i love the first purge fuck um, the purge is fucking awesome i absolutely love that movie um, Anarchy. It was a good film, but I didn't like as much as as the first one. Okay. But this one looks so fucking good, man! I am so excited for the Fourth of July. It yeah. just looks awesome. I,
1: I dig this franchise Me too. Um, they can really run it to the ground, though. Um, but I find they're putting enough space between the films. Yeah, you
0: know, um, like, it's it's one year isn't it? Keep going. It wasn't Anarchy two years? Anarchy yeah, was, I thought was it was two. Cute. Yeah. Because I think without looking, I think it was two.
1: Yeah, exactly. Without looking, I think I just come out after the last Cap America film because the guy who plays Crossbones in the Cap film, he's the lead in Anarchy, um, so <laughs> it's got to be a few years.
0: Yeah, I th- I think you're right.
1: Without again, without like going yeah, to and exactly. Stuff.
0: But. I I mean I just think there's so this idea of the purge is so fucking ripe for so many awesome movies like I want this to be like you know Saw where you have a bunch of them. Speaking of, there's another Saw movie coming. Yeah. I you heard that, but yeah, um, I mean I love the Saw series, so I'll be interested to check it out. I mean, you know. Did we have to go back to it, probably not. But I'll still I'll watch it.
1: So. I like the Saw series. I just by you know like number six is like okay, I don't care about these people anymore because it's so far removed from the original. Um, my favorite is Saw Two. I loved Saw Two. Yeah. Um, but going back to the Purge, uh, do you guys uh, have you guys seen uh, Rick and Morty at all?
0: Uh, no, I have not. Uh, no, I own the Blu Ray of the first season, but I've not watched it.
1: I can't recall if it's season one or two, but there's an episode where they go on a purge. Uh, Planet, or Purge Dimension. Okay. And it's funny. It's, it's really funny. Just check it out. I, uh, I won't go support. into more details, but yeah, if you've if you've never seen the show, it is hilarious. It's an animation. It's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And I legit laugh out loud. It's so off the wall. It's, it's by Dan Harmon who did the community. Okay. So it's worth checking out. Like, if you've got season one, like, I actually imported season one. Okay. In Canada, I think Amazon was selling it for like 53 bucks. but on amazon us was 13 yeah with the exchange rate and the gas when it would take me to cross the border pay a toll (laughs) twice and come back (laughs) home it was cheaper (laughs) and uh yeah it's it's time well spent that's awesome. yeah hilarious
0: i've I've heard that a lot which is why i just picked i bought it blindly uh this first season so i do need to get to it i just haven't yet yeah it's worth it but so ash have you seen the purge and the purge anarchy
2: no, I have seen neither.
0: Oh, my fucking... G- you need to remedy that, sir. Ethan Hawke's yeah. in the first one, and
1: he's so good in it. So
0: fucking good, yeah. Oh,
1: so... He's, like, muscular, and he's... <laughs> I was like, something else. Sorry. Yeah, he's good. Wait, he's good. Who, who are we talking about? Uh, oh, no, <laughs> nobody. Whatever. Can we delete this? Can we, like, this? Part? Oh, we're come on. Minutes. No, no. Who, who was it? We're, we're, at, we're at 30 minutes and 48
0: seconds. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about Ethan Hawke. <laughs> oh, Ethan Hawke.
1: Yeah. yeah. Before I, I'm Sunrise, I've
0: seen it so good.
1: Yeah, it's actually not bad. And I I find home invasion films scary because yeah. it can actually happen, you know?
0: Yeah, the not to one this, of my
1: faves. Yeah, not to this scale, obviously, you know, but mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah, uh, I, I really like the first one. I just haven't had the chance to sit down and watch number two. Yeah, I would definitely be interested to hear your thoughts on it when you get around to it because uh,
1: it was good. Right.
0: <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, so other than that, I watched uh, the latest episodes of the One Hundred and Pretty Little Liars. Uh, One Hundred was excellent this past week. It was uh, just a an action packed episode, and it was really good. I love that series. I, I cannot.
2: Seeing, I keep seeing you bitching about Pretty Little
0: Liars. Yeah, stuff. fucking. On the other <laughs> hand, <laughs> Pretty Little. Little Liars. I mean, it just completely stalled now. Like I was excited to see these next five. You know, the five year forward jump. Um, I was kind of reticent. I wasn't sure if it was going to be any good. But it started off decent. And then it's just kind of doing the same fucking shit every single episode. And it's like I just – I'm no longer excited to watch it on Tuesday nights now. But if I had And if I hadn't spent so much damn time with this series and if I didn't think that it was going to like really go somewhere neat, you know, cool by the end of this, I'd stop watching
1: you have to follow but. it through because you spend so much time towards it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it, it, that's what sucks about TV shows that last too long. Yeah. Is that you hit the peak and then it's shit for a few seasons. Right. And then it kind of redeems itself at the end. Yeah. But it's you can like my OCD, I just have to follow through with everything. It, right, exactly. You know. It's like and I, there's only I find there's only one show that did uh like a fast forward that was actually pretty decent and that was Fringe. Have you guys seen The Fringe?
0: Yeah. No, I've not fringe. watched Fringe. fringe.
2: Yeah, Fringe's last season really worked well.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, that's one that's worth checking out uh, whenever you have the chance.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, and the other reason I just keep going back to the show, I mean, the girls are just so damn gorgeous. So I just keep tuning in every single week just to, uh, you know, watch them because they're always, always fun. But I don't know. I just, I want it to be, I want it to move forward. I feel like it has to eventually. There's only like eight episodes, I think, in the second half of the season, and we're already three or four in I just I don't know I'm disappointed that's that's for damn sure but so I guess that's that's it for my entertainment this past week I suppose so let's move forward and jump into Pulp Fiction all right so Pulp Fiction is directed obviously by our man Quentin Tarantino and it was written by Tarantino and the story was by Tarantino and Roger Avery, who also did some writing on um, Reservoir Dogs that we talked about last week. Pulp Fiction currently has an 8.9 rating on IMDb and a Metascore of a whopping 94. So before we dive in, I just want to remind everyone there will be spoilers. We'll be talking about every aspect of the film, so there will be major spoilers for this. So, yeah. Just know that going forward. Give a quick synopsis here. I'm stealing this right from IMDb because I'm being lazy this week, so... Uh, the lives of two mob hitmen, a boxer, a gangster's wife, and a pair of diner bandits intertwine in four tales of violence and redemption. Pulp fiction, folks. So that's uh, essentially what the film's about. So before we talk about the film itself, let's talk about our history with it. So Ash, what is your history with Pulp Fiction?
2: Uh, originally saw it, uh, rented it because... um. I saw the poster, the Uma Thurman poster, in one of the guys' dorm room, uh, one of the college dorms I was delivering pizza to, so I rented it that night. I was not disappointed. Um, It became a staple throughout college, and uh, I've actually seen it in theater when it uh, came around. Uh, Our local theater managed to grab a copy of it so that they had a showing, and then screwed it up so that they had it, um when the college was on break so there was only three people in the film or the theater watching it but you know oh, wow <laughs> yeah uh but uh I, but they had like an actual midnight showing and everything so you know it wasn't uh it wasn't like i don't think they were expecting too many people to show up but right and it was like three of us so but, yeah <laughs> i i've been a big fan of this movie
0: now is this the first tarantino film you've seen
2: this this yeah this was the first Tarantino. okay I've
0: seen. awesome and what about you mark what's your history with pulp fiction I honestly don't recall the
1: first time I saw the film. Okay. Um, I What I do recall is that uh, when I was, you know, in my, uh, I guess, late teens, I went to a poster store and I picked up a poster of The Fifth Element and Pulp Fiction. Oh. Um, so I don't remember when the first time I saw it, but I do remember this is one of the first posters I ever bought, which unfortunately uh, I don't have anymore. Mm-hmm. But I, oh, man, I love this poster. Uma Thurman on the bed with her cigarette, her legs nice. uh, crossed like that. Um, it's a, it, it fits perfectly with the style of the film, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I, I think I fell in love with Uma Thurman because of this poster. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. You know, I would and, agree
2: with that. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and I honestly believe I got the poster before I saw the film. Okay, because best to my recollection, I saw the movie. And my idea of what she would be in the film wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. Okay. Um, So, yeah, uh, I I think I actually own the poster before I actually saw the movie because the poster is such, it's so iconic. And now that, uh, you know, and I'm in like legit poster collecting, Mm -hmm. I cannot get myself a copy of a theatrical poster from 94 without spending like 300 bucks. Wow. I think there's two versions of the poster. Okay. again, don't quote me, and by the time I was finished with my research, I didn't get a chance to look into this, Mm -hmm. but I do believe there's two versions of it because of the pack of cigarettes. I think in the original poster, they were Lucky Strike cigarettes. Oh. And then... He doesn't do Lucky Strikes, yeah. Yeah, and it's either Tarantula's like, changed that, or the company is like, we didn't give you the rights to it, one or the other. But I do know that and again, I could be wrong with the lucky strikes, but I do know that whatever the package of tickets was before the red apples, I believe they use in the movie, um, mm-hmm. that poster's worth much more money. So it just, uh, <laughs> the value of the poster just went like in the, in the high hundreds.
0: Right. Um, That's so when a poster
1: does go on this auction set that I go on, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it sells easy 300 plus every wow. time. And I'm having trouble justifying mm-hmm. spending 300 bucks on a poster. Right. I don't think. Yeah, that said, though, I want it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it's, it's one of those that, you know, I put in the frame and it's framed on my wall for life.
0: Yeah. You know, it's
1: just so iconic. Um, so that's probably one of my gets that I want right now. Um, but, yeah, I don't recall. I don't remember if I saw it in the theaters or if I saw it on, on DVD. I don't remember. I know I've owned multiple copies of this movie. You know, it came out with the special edition DVD. Then I upgraded to the Blu-ray when the Blu-ray came out a few years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I recall it being in my life. I just can't recall when it entered my life.
0: Gotcha. Excellent. Mm. Yeah. I love that the, I, j- right there it just says it, the, the poster brought both of you to the film, which I think is fascinating. It just goes to show how well, uh, the marketing was, you know, how, how perfect that, that piece of marketing material was for this film.
1: Yeah. I, I do know that this was, I, I, I did see Pulp Fiction before I saw Reservoir Dogs. So mm-hmm. this was my entry into uh, the QT territory.
0: Yeah, I believe my I was thinking about it and I honestly am not sure if I saw Kill Bill Volume 1 first or if I saw Pulp Fiction first. I honestly don't recall. I think it actually might have been Kill Bill. But the reason I actually now that I'm thinking about it I I'm fairly certain it was Kill Bill because I believe the reason I watched Pulp Fiction for the first time was that I was <laughs> was going to teach a film course. In, uh, when I was in grad school. And it was one of the films that the professor who was kind of mentoring me had on his film list. And so I went through and watched all the films that he had in his list and kind of pick and chose what I wanted to include and talk about. And I think that was the first time I watched it, uh, but I'm honestly not 100% sure. It might have been the second. Um, either way, that was the first time I watched it when it really stuck with me. Because um, it's uh, one of those films that, you know, once you... <laughs> I don't. Once you're at a certain stage in your life to appreciate it, it's just one you're not going to forget. And I think maybe if if I had watched it the first time, I was much much younger and I didn't, you know, appreciate it quite the same way that I did when I was uh, in grad school and watching it for that for that reason. Um, so I think that was the you know either the first or second time I watched it. Um, and like I said, I believe Kill Bill was actually before this one, but this is um, just one of those films that's very you know, very Tarantino. And so mm-hmm. it's definitely one that's, uh, you know, just necessary viewing for anyone who, you know, hasn't seen it or as is as is a, considers himself a fan of Tarantino. So would you consider this his most popular film? You know, I was, I was thinking about that. I, and honestly, why I was thinking about that, it was because I was trying to think of which one is his, is his least popular. And uh, I think that might be the one we're talking about next week <sighs> with Jackie Brown. It's my least favorite. Oh yeah. It's, it's one I haven't seen. Think See, and so. I've only seen
1: it the one time. Okay. So I'm looking forward to next week, so I can yeah. do some research on it and watch exactly. it a few times. Right. But I know that after after seeing Pulp Fiction, and I and I just watched Jackie Brown maybe a few years ago. Okay. Like I held off on it. Yeah. And it's one of the only ones I don't I have from Quentin that aren't on Blu-ray. And uh, yeah, it, it just didn't hit me like his other films did.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I I I would probably. You know, wager a bet that Pulp Fiction is his most popular film. Yeah, what do you think, Ash?
2: I would say so. Um, I don't think it is his. Uh, it's not his most recognized film in Hollywood, though. Uh, I think that either is Django or um,
0: uh, Inglorious Bastards.
2: Yeah, Inglorious Bastards.
0: Okay. So. I think he
2: won I think he won a lot of Sundance awards for pulp fiction but I don't think Hollywood recognized it quite yet. Mm-hmm. So. And Jackie Brown the I think part of the reason Jackie Brown doesn't quite it, it works as a Tarantino movie but it's not up to his usual stuff is because it's an adaptation. It's not like all God. of his films are like a okay. like a pastiche to other films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but Jackie Brown's an actual direct adaptation of a book. So,
0: yeah. Hmm. That
2: might have something to do with it. Too. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that will be something that'll be, you know, definitely we're talking about next week as yeah. well. So cool. Yeah. So uh, kind of just jumping in here. I mean, I just have random notes. I'm not sure, you know, how, how this is going to go in terms of uh, any order or anything, but well, uh, I guess with Pulp
1: Fiction, since it doesn't really have much of a uh, synchronous order that exactly. we, can, we can go all willy nilly on this, it's so much fun.
0: And since you brought it up, let's talk about that. So, I think what's fascinating is that, you know, I, we looked at this film, and one of the reasons we used this film in the film course, I used it, was because of the, you know, it's nonlinear storytelling. Mm-hmm. But you don't really, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you don't really know that it's nonlinear storytelling until a, a little bit over halfway through it when um after uh Vincent is shot, then I think it's I, I don't remember the exact yes. order of scenes. No. It's the next scene <laughs> yep. is him. Yeah,
2: Cause the next one is back alive. To yeah. Back one to one of the, the opening scenes. One of the opening scenes, yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I think that's that's interesting to me. Because kind of uh it's it's known so well or at least it was discussed to me initially so thoroughly. As being nonlinear filmmaking, that I think it's fascinating that you don't really know that until so far into the movie,
1: until the final chapter, until the uh, uh, the, what's the guy's wife's name? Uh, Bonnie, is it Bonnie? The uh, yeah, um, the
0: Bonnie situation. Yeah, the yeah. Bonnie situation, as it
1: yeah, yep. So yeah, you you won't know. And according to a lot of all the special features I read, I guess a lot of people kind of groaned at that because. You know, like they say, it's not fair to you know jump back and forth to have your your uh, main actors, you know, still you know, spoiler, die yeah. partly through the film and then come back at the end. But the way Tarantino looked at it is like, well, writers when they write books, they're not always linear. Mm-hmm. So why can't I do the same thing with a film? And it's absolutely correct. And I think it worked for this movie. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because that's... this film really is—it's three stories mm-hmm. and one monologue. Yeah. <laughs> god that monologue that thing gets me every time i just it's the the uh, i don't know just the absurdity of it um and kind of in that in that classical you know theatrical sense of of the word absurd you know theater of the absurd type uh just the way it goes and the way it's played is just so funny and it works so damn well uh (laughs) and it's the whole really the whole um uh thing that pushes butch's story forward because he has to go back for the watch had he not gone back for the watch had we not known why this watch was important to him yeah then we lose so much of that um and when we lose butch's whole story basically so i just it's just <laughs> such uh intelligent filmmaking
1: and apparently, uh, according to the trivia track that I watched uh, just before this podcast <laughs> that I started,
0: yeah. Um, for those not in the know, Mark has like worked his ass off all day <laughs> dealing with Pulp Fiction, and which we really appreciate. So I'm I'm excited to hear your knowledge. Things
1: I do to you for you <laughs> viewers and listeners here, That's right. you know, like to the bone. Anyways, uh, so yeah, so um, apparently, what Christopher Walken did between takes of his monologue was uh, he was drinking Tabasco sauce. And what people believed at the time was that he was doing this so that he can feel the pain of his character's uh, transition from, you know, with the watch and whatnot. But what it was is that because his monologue was like four pages long, the Tabasco sauce would keep his uh, mouth salivating Hmm. so that his mouth wouldn't dry out during uh, during the the monologue scene. Because he did like (laughs) 13, 14 different takes for different angles and whatnot. And uh, so that's a lot of talking. So, yeah, he would drink Tabasco sauce to keep his mouth lubricated.
0: That's awesome. Right? Yeah. Man. Oh. So the ways, but,
1: you know, whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love that the, uh, the opening scene of his second film opens in a diner with people drinking coffee, just as it did in his first film. I thought that was enjoyable. Um, and I-, I love that they also... And this is something you know that I kind of mentioned last time is that we get the these Tarantino actors are back again. You know we have Tim Roth who was uh, Mr. Orange in the last film. He's Pumpkin or Ringo here. Um, uh, He's Pumpkin and Ringo, yeah. Yes, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvey Keitel is back, uh, Mr. White from the last film, the Wolf here. Um, you know, I just I always appreciate it. Oh Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink is back as uh, the waiter. Yeah, I forget Jack which. Character he played. Yeah, he
1: plays the waiter at uh, Jackrabbit Slim's when they order the food. Right. You know the the burgers and the five
0: dollar milkshake. That's him taking the order. Yeah, but what's his character? He's playing in the in the world of the movie. Oh, Buddy Rogers or something. Uh, Buddy he, Holly. Buddy, yeah, Holly. Buddy Holly. Okay, Buddy yes. Holly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I I just love that. But
2: um there was a someone theorized that uh, Pulp Fiction actually takes place before Reservoir Dogs, uh, and that Steve Buscemi is actually playing the same character. And that he was he refers to his job as being real shit and the former <laughs> job being real shit in the uh Dogs film. So, oh. <laughs> so they were theorizing that, that it might tie together because Vincent Vega and Vic Vega are brothers. Yeah. And uh, they were actually Tarantino was actually toying around with doing a Vincent Vic Vega film with um uh Madsen and uh Travolta for a while, but that kinda fell apart.
0: Wait, Vic Vega, was that his name from, was that Madsen's yeah. character's name? In That's yep. Madsen's character, yeah. Yep. Ah, no shit, I totally yep. missed that. I just knew him as whatever, Mr. Blonde or whatever. Yes, yeah. Mr. Blonde.
1: Vic and Vega, yep. It, it's so, I guess I'm dumb. I didn't realize that, uh, okay, so you yeah, had Vincent and Jules, and they're technically, they're both dogs as well. They're, they're two reservoir, reservoir dogs working mm-hmm. on a different uh, different job. You know, with the same suits and whatnot.
0: Same yeah. Yeah, it didn't
1: really dawn on me up until like today. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so like, yeah, I guess like all these dogs, you know, you got Wallace and you got uh, Joe from uh, Reservoir Dogs. But they're all working, uh, you know, I guess they're all in the same maybe crime family Mm -hmm. with with different lieutenants or capos, you know, because they're wearing Mm -hmm. the same suits. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I honestly, up to today you know uh, 20 plus years later yeah. it just dawned on me Yeah, they're they're part of the same crew as well
0: they just don't go by code names right right yeah and i love i mean it's just so there's so many similarities to the to reservoir dogs and that you know just the types of conversations that these people are having um you know talking about uh, uh vincent vega talking about the royale with cheese and uh just that co- type of conversation and then leading right to this, you know, stark violence
1: acts of violence, yeah. Well, like, uh, they were saying in the uh, in all the fucking supplementaries I've watched today, um, <laughs> like these guys have a job to do mm-hmm. and they're heading to work, yeah, exactly. So, they're they're small talking, you know, they're just chit-chatting on their way to work, like everybody else does, you know. Right. So it's just funny that in their in this case that their job is a heavily violent job, you know, but they're like everybody else and, you know, they just talk shit until they have to do their job, clock in clock out, you
0: know. Right. I love when they get to the door and he says, what time is it? And he's like 722 or something. And he's mm-hmm. like, all right, let's, let's hold off a minute. And they like walk over to the side and then they continue that story. We're talking about uh, Marcellus throwing that guy out the window and giving him the stutter problem and all that. Uh, I mean, just awesome, and I feel like, um, from a you know cinematographer standpoint, I feel like Tarantino toyed with the idea of you know just looking at the backs of the actors in Reservoir Dogs, and he kind of goes whole hog with it here. Uh, we see only the backs of their heads while they're talking um, at the door, and then even more so with uh, Marcellus. Yeah, we just see the back of his head for the vast majority of the time he's on screen, really.
1: Uh, and I've got I've got some tidbits on
0: Marcellus. Okay.
1: So he's got the uh he's got the uh band-aid, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I kinda like. Mm. Um just for you know makes him look again badass, but not right. so uh, okay, where to begin. So apparently the makeup artist uh put the band-aid on the back of his head because I guess he's got a pretty decent looking scar there mm. and didn't want to detract the audience. Uh, from the story, by just staring at the back of his head, even though oh, that's okay. what you're doing, but you don't—they don't want them to fix it on his scar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, at the end of the film, because you've got the briefcase with the golden
0: light, right?
1: So, one of the hypotheses of what's in the briefcase is Marcellus Wallace's soul is in the briefcase, hmm. and apparently, according to some folklore, Mar- uh, the devil. Will make an incision when you sell your soul, it'll make an incision yeah. on the back of your head mm-hmm. and suck the soul out from that incision on the back of your head. So <laughs> um, people surmise that it's his soul in the briefcase and he stole the actual briefcase from the devil, especially then, you know, also that the code to break, uh, to open the uh, briefcase is 666. Right. So there's so there so one of the things is is that it's his soul in briefcase, and he's trying to get his soul back because the devil took it, and that's why there's a band aid because he made an incision on the back of his head, but in real life, he's just got a scar there <laughs>
0: exactly you know I which mean, is I very interesting I love that like I've heard that i i did I've read that before, and I love that I mean it's just so I mean Tarantino builds this world that is is ripe enough and real and and just Alive enough that, you know, people are out there formulating these theories about it. Such, you know, such a, a deep and, you know, kind of profound theory, really, I think is awesome. Yeah. Again, speaks to speaks volumes to the story, to this world that he's created here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which feels like, you know, very similar to the world we see in Reservoir Dogs, except there are some moments where it's I just come from a friend. And uh, a lot of them, I don't know, uh, one moment in particular that stands out. Is when uh, Mia is in the car and she says, you know, he's trying to get him to go inside and she's like, don't be a square, but she doesn't say square. She draws it. Yeah. I mean, what a, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. What a choice there. I'm not sure. Well, Quentin uh, is heavily influenced with the French new wave. Yeah. uh, With
1: like Godard films, which I know nothing of. Yeah, I'll be honest a, with you.
0: A little about, but...
1: Yeah, so he's... And I guess, you know, like his production company is called A Band Apart, mm-hmm. which is a Godard film. Um, so I actually have to... I'm going to have to look up on some Godard movies because, you know, I dig his Tarantino stuff. Yeah. I must... I should like his films, you know?
0: Right, right. Um,
1: so he's heavily influenced by Godard and other French new wave uh, from that time. Um, and apparently that's just one of the... Uh, I guess one of the uh, tricks they would use back in those films. I'm not. Sure. I forgot what the name is actually called, but uh, I guess it was heavily used back in the day.
0: Yeah, uh, the 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 class I taught actually started at the French New Wave and worked through. Okay. Now, the uh, I'm in no uh, way qualified to really teach a film class, but I got you know the opportunity given to me just because of where I was at the right, you know right place at the right time, mm. um, and so I, I you know I loved doing that and it was excellent. But that said, you know, I didn't know everything. I just enjoyed having basically what I did was have (laughs) podcasts with the class. We just kind of bullshitted about the film. And then I did my research and we talked about it the next class. You know what I mean? It's fun. But and and I loved it. You know, it was a blast. Um, But, you know, all those references, you know, I may have picked up at the time because I was more, you know, uh, tuned into what was going on with the French New Wave. But just things I, you know, let slip from from here at this point. But, yeah, I do recall again hearing or maybe my professor was talking to me about that square moment being you know very influenced by the French New wave. Um, so I mean, yeah, definitely a, a an astute point there, I'd say. I don't know, it's just um moments like that that kind of take you out. It doesn't feel like that same world that's reservoir dogs, um but you know, all those the violence, and then uh just so many other points. It's like, yes, we are living in that same world, which, you know, I think is intentional. One thing I love was the 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 drug scene with Vincent Vega. Yeah. I mean, it made it look like uh, the taking of the drugs. It was just so sensual and just a ride, like a ride I wanted to take. Like, it just made it look so, you know, quote unquote cool. Well,
1: they mentioned that when he does buy the heroin. And goes to open up his his leathered uh, his weathered leather pouch mm-hmm. and screws on the, the needle his needle yeah. that that's the movie sex scene <laughs> he, he makes it yep. sensuous you know right. um, when he's driving away with the uh, with the projected uh, images in the back that's like the post coitus high where like he's smoking a cigarette but now he's just enjoying the after effects of the mm-hmm. heroin driving you know. Um, yeah, that's, that's the film's, um, sexual scene in the, in the movie. It, that's a, it's very sensuous and it yeah. it, it, it makes it romantic, but mm-hmm. in all honesty, he's shooting heroin exactly. <laughs> about that, you know? Yeah.
0: You get, and it's such a drastic difference because you go from that and then all the way you through the scene with, with, with Mia, which is clearly, you know, the sexual tension on screen, I thought was really well done. Uh, and you know, it's clear that, uh, Vega, once more than what's happening here and then it ends with her just in this disgusting shot of the blood coming out of her nose and the the vomit coming out of her mouth and it's just so gross and kind of the reality of that you know drugs the the drug scene kind of hits you like a Mm -hmm. a bag of rocks I thought this was just awesome
1: another tidbit regarding the whole drug scene so when he's talking to Eric Stolt uh, while he's making his negotiation to buy the heroin yeah so, he talks about, you know, somebody keying his car.
0: Oh, right, right. Oh, do you know the story about this? No, uh, no, I don't.
1: Oh, okay. I had, again, doing these podcasts are amazing because I'm learning things about movies that I like that I had <laughs> no idea about. Mm-hmm. So, he's talking about some guy keying his car. And who would do that to another man's automobile, right? Right. So, in the uh, in the sequence, when he goes to uh, Marsalis's, uh, you know, when, he, when after... Um, Butch? So, yes. So yeah. his thing with Butch at the bar, Butch was so pissed off at Vincent because of that little like, who, what the fuck are you looking at type mm-hmm. of thing that apparently, according to the trivia track, they had their cars parked side by side outside the bar and Butch couldn't do anything to Vincent because he's Marcellus's guy. Right. So he's the one who
0: keyed his car. That's fucking awesome. I had no idea, Matt. I but, know. You know. Wow. Butch isn't
1: that great of a character. Like, he's not a good guy, Butch.
0: Mm-hmm. He's
1: petty. So because he couldn't do anything to the man, he did something to his automobile instead.
0: And as you're telling the story, I can just think back to that scene where uh, they spent an unusual amount of time watching Butch stare at Vega, at, at right. Vincent. And it's just, it it makes so much sense. I just, I fucking love that.
1: Yeah, it, I had that. It, it never even dawned on me because, like you know, he mentioning he's mentioning that you know he just got back and mm-hmm. you know five days in, so many keys his car. It's a throwaway thing. Like I guess it was to me.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Respect
1: again. Everything's linked together, exactly. and that's what I love about this film.
0: That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Ash. I, any thoughts on kind of because uh, basically you know we've talked through a lot of part different parts of the film but any any thoughts on kind of the opening half of this at least or the the first kind of story we we follow
2: well which one we want to talk about <laughs>
0: um the, talk about um uh taking um, M- M- Mia out vince no. Mia going out
2: um Jackrabbit Slims. I would actually love to go there, and it's yes. a shame that the place does not exist.
0: Me I, too. They yeah. they build the they build the set just for the film. It's yeah. such a cool place, man. Yeah. I love it.
2: Yep, I would love that. I and I love the. I don't know if Tarantino knew that they were getting Travolta for this or not, but I love all of the little nods throughout that entire sequence to all these old movies that Travolta had been in. Because you've got uh, Grease, because uh, she refers to him as an Elvis man. Right. Other things. Uh And, you know, she's like, you know, don't be a square. And <laughs> a couple other things. And then uh, when she makes it do the dance contest, she's like, you're going to be good and you're going to win. Because <laughs> uh, there's Saturday Night Fever right there. You know? <laughs> And there's like a couple, I think there's a couple other things throughout the movie that they kind of allude to Travolta's other films a little but I don't know if they were subtle nods or if they were just in there to begin with or, or what,
1: but I I can answer that. According to the trivia track, (laughs) (laughs) um, the original uh, casting was Michael Madsen, uh, that it was going to be a prequel to rest for dogs. And he was going to reprise his role. Um, And then Tarantino had like a six hour meeting with Travolta, how he gushed over him and whatnot. And rewrote the role for him. Hmm. So, but the dancing and all that stuff was already inside, but they just tweaked it to have Travolta do that role and make it that he's his, you know, brother, which really isn't mentioned. But uh, yeah, so that stuff was already in the, in the script, but uh, they gave him the role uh, after, you know, after a few tweaks.
0: That's cool. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I think this has to be my favorite role of John Travolta's. I think he's just fucking great in this. His accent's a little strange sometimes, but I don't care. Like, I just think he's so good in this right from the start all the way to the end. I think he's excellent.
1: Well, he had done, you know, like, again, he was big in the 70s, early Mm -hmm. 80s. I still haven't seen Bloat yet. Apparently that's, one of his best roles it's oh you're right
0: i have not either i actually own that i was going through my criterion collection i actually own that one see i need to see that i do too um
1: but you know like by by the late 80s early 90s was doing the let's uh, look who's talking films (laughs) right and like it was making a lot of money but it was still you know artistically they weren't creative you Mm -hmm. know um so he really credits tarantino to revive his career like he's done for so many other guys um, I did
2: think this was hilarious. Uh, this is a little bit of Jackie Brown trivia. Uh, one of the actors in Jackie Brown, uh, whose career had basically tanked, took the role in Jackie Brown because he had seen what had done for Travolta's career and wanted the same thing for his. <laughs>
1: That's that probably Robert Forster.
2: Why- yes, that was him.
1: Wow. Well, yeah, I like him. He's good. Hmm. But yeah, like Tarantino will do that for, for a lot of films. Like In a way, to me, he kind of did it for Kaitel. But Keitel still yeah. wasn't kind of floundering, but he wasn't making huge films, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Jackie, he had Robert Forster. Um, and then you got uh, oh, that's that's actually Rodriguez' film. Never mind. I don't know if there's anybody in the Kill Bill films that he uh, that he really brought. I guess Carradine for for Kill Bill. Hmm. David Carradine,
0: David Carradine, yeah. <laughs> was I guess
1: his revival character or actor for that for that series. What did he do after though? I don't know. Robert Carradine? Yeah, he huh. had a couple of things after. Yeah. Well, I know he had a gig in a closet. Uh, I'm not sure if it was... Uh, oh, <laughs> too soon. Uh, <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: have the same tie. So
1: wow. <laughs> so, guys. This is Scotch talking. I blanked
2: like, uh, <laughs> Wow. Oh, God. I... Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, thank you for that, that. That's who I am. That's what I do. That's that's right. <laughs> that's we love you. That's fine.
1: I'll say it, so you guys don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: So, you guys are talking about the 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 poster and how that got you there. Like, I don't, I I never found Uma Thurman all that attractive. In this film, though, she is just so sexy. It's, I mean, it really blows my mind. Uh, I mean, just you have, every. You
1: have to watch the Truth About Cats and Dogs. Oh my God, she's so good looking.
0: Really? Yep. Yeah, no, not no. seen that. The Truth
1: About Cats and Dogs. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 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 <I'm just kidding. laughs>
0: oh man. But yeah, so I think I mean just the way she's filmed and everything uh, he chooses for her. I mean, the introduction of her, we get the the red lips. Talking into the microphone, which is just sensual, and then the you know the start of Tarantino's obsession with feet, specifically her feet and <laughs> the second shot you know from from lip from head to toe really and uh I don't know it's just such a well done character, and I thought she did so great with it there's um just uh an innocence about her that you know is false, yes, you know what I mean I, it's false. hard to explain, but um. I I don't know. It's just something about her. And, um, the moment after she is revived and then they're going home and, uh, you know, that shot dropping them off. And, uh, Vincent, or she, she says, you know, do you want me to tell you my joke? And, uh, tells him the joke and just the, the look in her eye, There is so much behind that, behind that face of just the, the disappointment with, All things related, I think, to that joke and that show and how it didn't get picked up, I thought was just awesome. I thought she did such a wonderful job with that.
1: Yeah, uh, I I think so too. Um, Like again, she was nominated for an Academy Award for this for Mm -hmm. her role. Uh, I thought she played to a T. You know, she she's a vixen. She's also very innocent. Um, Like just I and I tweeted a picture about this earlier this week. Just that one short scene where she's doing coke in the bathroom. Yeah. I love that scene. (laughs) You know, just, just the way she does it. Right. You know, and then the way she looks at she looks at the mirror right before, you know, she cleans her nose to make sure there's no residue and then walks away that luck she gives. Yep. You know, like, oh, she is a man eater if she wanted to, but she actually (laughs) legit liked Vincent Vega. Yeah. I think she really liked him. And if it wasn't for her snorting his heroin, Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure they would have had sex which would have been bad
0: news for him right you know yeah i mean you you i mean yeah you you nailed it absolutely right um I, i think she helps build this world so i feel like even though we do have some violence in the first bits of this film nothing really overt and it's kind of just the start it's the kind of the moments before the violence actually begins uh we are at the diner and it stops right after they say okay this is a stick up you know and they they jump up and then it goes to the next scene and then we get the two you know vega and uh jules jules and he i mean we stop after he he quotes this biblical line right and uh we don't I, get, no, I guess shots are fired but we don't really see anything uh, we just know that shots are fired mm-hmm. and then you know we move finally over to um, eventually we get to uh, Maya or Mia I always do that oh, Mia. that's right yes and um, th- you know the drug scenes kind of in between there and then they're flirting the dancing and all that and it's just kind of you know I wrote down that I just I want to live in the world of this film because it's just so intoxicating it's everything so about cool. it
1: in you know what it is though and we haven't talked about this yet. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking music.
0: Oh, yeah. I had the CD oh, my before God. I saw the film.
1: And I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Mm-hmm. And then the scene when Travolta goes into Mia's house while she's on the intercom getting ready. Yep. And son of a preacher man starts.
0: God, I, I wrote that. I noted that too. It's just absolute perfect. Absolute perfect.
1: And apparently, according to the trivia track, yeah. Tarantino um wrote the scene with the song in mind. <laughs> and if you couldn't get the rights to the song, he would have scrapped the scene altogether. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. man. Uh, yeah, that song. And like, what I love about Tarantino and his music producers or whoever does the research is that they pull these retro songs mm. that people have just lost touch with. Yeah. And brings them back. And those songs sell millions of copies and makes these artists relevant again if they've been out of the spotlight for a long time like al green after the first after reservoir dogs um when they did the little green bag that revitalized his career where he actually came out with a new album prior wow. to that when he became uh, i guess when he got out of the spotlight
0: mm-hmm.
1: all he was doing is recording uh, gospel albums hmm. and little green bag on reservoir dogs reignited his career
0: that's awesome
1: yeah. And the same thing with, uh, like, with Senator uh, Preacher Man. I think it was Dusty Springfield. Okay. And even Urge Overkill. I'm not sure when they recorded their version of uh, Girl Will Be a Woman Soon. Mm-hmm. But it's that song and Senator Preacher Man. Those are the two, like, songs I associate to Pulp Fiction. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, it gives me goosebumps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think this kind of. I don't, this kind of this fairy tale that I'm living in, you know, this, this intoxicating world that I'm living in, I feel like there's a significant change and that change comes once she overdoses and then kind of uh, things turn more real because then, you know, our next story is with, um, butch and that's very gritty throughout the whole thing and, and realistic, um, in terms of just the way they handle it you know there's nothing sensual about it. there's nothing sexy about it whatsoever um and that feeling kind of continues throughout the rest i think and so i think that's just a stark change there that's uh, pretty notable yeah so bruce willis i thought he was you know he was really good at this character um but he doesn't he didn't really uh, stand out to me this uh, should i say this character doesn't really stand out to me from a lot of the other characters he plays Um, but I think that's just, you know, Bruce Willis being Bruce Willis as it was Samuel L. Jackson being Samuel L. Jackson in the beginning of this film and later in the film. But I think these are kind of how at least me, what I think of as being those cliche characters or whatever the hell you want to call it, like being themselves. Like this is, I feel like kind of where it started for them.
1: See, to me with this film, this is where I discovered Samuel L. Jackson. so any role he's done since, he's playing another version of Jules yep. in my in my own mind, right. you know? Yep. like yep. And then when he's not playing a version of Jules, I'm upset because I want to see more <laughs> Jules, you know? Right. Like, like, I think his next role, Big Rotus, was Die Hard 3, Die Hard okay. of the Vengeance. Yeah. And he kind of plays a version of Jules, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, just a little more... On the other side. Yeah, right. (laughs) I've got to find the right word. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, like to to me, this is the Sam Jackson role. And I think this this defines Sam Jackson. I think this is the most Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson done for Sam Jackson.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah, perfectly said. Perfectly said. (laughs) Apart from the hair,
1: which you've never seen again, unless he's done a spoof or something. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I like... I think like one of his earlier roles prior to this film was like Loaded Weapon One with Emilio Estevez. <laughs> you know? Oh God,
2: yeah, I so, remember
1: that. Yeah, so this is where he got like he was in Goodfellas mm-hmm. um, and uh, in a, in a few more. I think it was in a Spike Lee film uh, prior, but this is what really put him on a map, right? At least in my in my point of view. And after this role, he really can't do any wrong, you know. <laughs> so that's yeah. why that's what I love about this movie. It's like this is this is. Uh, I I can't believe that Sam Jackson lost an Oscar in in this role because this is what defined his
0: career. Mm -hmm. Again, my personal opinion. Right, obviously, yeah, yeah. And
1: he lost to Martin Landau for Ed Wood. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, speaking of uh, like Oscars and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like this movie lost to Forrest Gump this year. Yeah,
0: I was reading that. (laughs) You know,
1: like which one holds up more? Pulp Mm Fiction or Forrest Gump? Like Forrest Gump could have won, but it was the year of the Pulp. You know, right? And and like honestly, this movie is the movie of the '90s. Like mm-hmm. to me, this defines a '90s film. Mm-hmm. You know, um. So yeah, well, not Forrest Gump, whatever. But like Pulp Fiction, the, to me, this was the movie that really rewrote future films.
0: But does Pulp Fiction really feel like an Oscar-winning movie, like uh, like the typical uh, film that's going to win an Oscar? Not to me, it doesn't. You know, really, oh, Forrest Gump feels more like that. You know what I mean? And I'm not. And that's not a that's not a dog on um, Pulp Fiction. It's a dog on the Oscars. Well, to me, it's maybe more the voting uh, Academy. It's, you know, it, yeah, that's what I'm referring to.
1: Right. Uh, so it's like if you play somebody like <laughs> like they made a joke in The Tropic Thunder. You know, if you play somebody that's uh, got a disability or whatnot, <laughs> it kind of guarantees you an Oscar. Yeah, you know. Yep. Um. So and technically, there's a small waterhead moment in uh, the whole Butch and uh, Butch and uh, his girl or when he uh, when he plays. Uh, he jokes about her about be, her being a waterhead.
0: Do you remember oh, that? Uh... Can't say I do. No.
1: No. Uh, maybe because I've seen it twice in the last few days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, it just—it's it, too bad it didn't win an Oscar. I think it deserved more than just a screenwriting Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, th- to, to me, this is a tour de
0: force. Absolutely. No, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Absolutely. Um, I love the when after Butch has his fight. There's that obvious rear projection. Yeah. In the taxi cab. I mean, just it another moment that harkens back to the the square moment. Uh, as just something that's overt and uh, different. Mm hmm. But I I absolutely love the drug dealer. Uh, what was his name? Lance? Yes, yeah. Eric Stoltz. God. Yeah. He's, he's
2: so fantastic in he,
0: this. He really is. Uh, him, the interaction between him and his wife was really funny. I mean, what an enjoyable group of characters they are.
1: It's great dynamic. Mm hmm. Now, did you know that uh, Michael J. Fox was first cast for this role? Was? And they had to do reshoots because it didn't work out with him and John Travolta?
0: I didn't know that. That's fascinating. I just made it up. Oh, God. See? We don't know. You could have made all this shit up now. <laughs> <laughs> You're no. throwing your credibility right out the fucking window. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, just because, you know, Eric Stoltz had the role of Marty McFly in Back to the Future. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. In my head, it was funny. Sometimes it doesn't <laughs> work
0: Oh, you're just too smart for me. That's all there is to it. It's the booze talking. I'm real not that witty. <laughs> oh, man.
1: But yeah, right. Stoltz is amazing in this role. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy you kind of want to hang out with. You yeah, know. Exactly. But You don't have to dress up, just wear your house coat, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. So one of the you know defining scenes, I think, with Butch is obviously – uh, once he kind of has that rundown with, uh, which is just such a ridiculous way to get into it. You know, um, Marcellus is walking across the street with what looks like coffee and donuts and <laughs> he just stops and sees him.
1: That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Do you want to hear something that I did not know up until today? Legit. It's on the comedy track uh, commentary track. So Butch, right. He goes back to his, uh, his apartment to get the uh, get the uh, watch. Mm-hmm. He makes a lot of noise, right? Mm-hmm. He does the Pop-Tart, you know, he's banging with, uh, you know, with cupboards and whatnot.
0: I was wondering how he wasn't uh, Vincent's Vincent.
1: Exactly. Vincent's in the bathroom. Why is he coming out guns a-blazing? Right. And you got that machine gun with the silencer on it that's just on the counter. So get this. So this is after Jules has his epiphany, right? Okay. So Jules and Vincent are no longer partnering together. Mm Mm-hmm. Marcellus is pissed off that Butch killed his other fighter and threw the fight that he fixed. Right. So he teams up with Vincent and they go to his apartment. The gun on the counter is actually Marcellus's gun and the reason why Vincent doesn't uh, make a big deal about the noise is because Marcellus went for a coffee run and Vincent oh. assumed- Right, so Vincent assumed Marcellus had returned to the apartment, oh but it was God. Butch,
0: mind-blown. Wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I, uh, wow. made no
2: sense. That's, I'm like, that is-
1: yeah, if if I'm Vincent and I'm hearing rustling, yeah, obviously it's Butch, so I'm going to fucking shoot through the door. No. God. He thought it was Marcellus because Marcellus wanted to get Butch so bad, he joined Vincent in the fucking stakeout.
0: Wow! Yeah, I so when I you love it, it all makes sense. It's not spelled out for you at all, but no, I love it
1: because
0: it, it makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I thought I, I just blew me away because, like you know, he's walking in, in the same area. But the thing is, I don't know how big he drew, how far he drew, he drove away from his uh, apartment up to he meets up with uh, with uh, Marcellus at the intersection.
0: It didn't look like far it only looked like a couple because the same song was playing. It only looked like a couple feet.
1: And that's the only way for you to know how is because of the song. That's okay. the only way you can uh, determine the duration of time he's in the car. Gotcha. And yeah, he's got coffee and donuts is because <laughs> he actually went for a coffee run. Wow.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so the 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 scene that this all leads up to is obviously the the, the rape scene, which is just, I mean... Seems so out of left field to me. <laughs> yeah, These characters, you know, these these redneck characters just in the heart of L.A. here. And uh, I don't know. Any any thoughts on that scene that are, are worth talking about?
2: Probably some of the best quotes that you hear even <laughs> yeah. now. I hear them like when we do raids and in, in uh, my online games. I'm going to get medieval <laughs> on his ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and a few other ones. Uh, it, the, some of the better quotes from Marcellus come from this scene. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm pretty fucking far from. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Even though Marcellus is probably the most evil character in the film. Mm-hmm. You, actually, no, that's not true because I think the, uh, the two hillbillies are the most evil characters. Yeah. In the film. Right. Right. But you feel bad for Marcellus, even though he's a bad person, nobody deserves
0: that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Mm. That, that scene, Ving Raims, after the rape scene, um I mean I I don't know I just for the rest of the movie, I thought this would be a funny moment, but man, it, it went from a, a chuckle from pretty far from fucking okay to wow, this is just this is really fucking sad and it, it was such a genuine performance by Raims. I thought he did such a excellent job, especially with that moment right after the rape. I thought, wow, I was blown away.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine being in that position myself. Right, I, I'd probably right. die while I had the ball gag in my mouth mm-hmm. because I yeah. can't brush my teeth while gagging. So I'd probably just puke. Or, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'd probably just choke my own puke and die.
0: Right. Just the, the uh, practicality of it all. You're dead. Yeah, yeah, I'm
1: just. I'm not good for that scene. I'm not into the, the yeah. fetish stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, w- what's funny is that I thought that Zed was actually a cop.
0: But uh, yes. I just no, noticed just a that this security time, guy. yeah, exactly. I just that that how yeah. fucking perfect! Yeah. I don't, just the personality is—I mean, goddamn, how fitting! It just works so well. And no offense to Rent-A-Cops, but mm-hmm. just those that I know, I, and I know a few from working in you know mall situations and whatnot. Just wow, how fucking what a brilliant choice! I always thought he was a cop too until I watched it this past time.
1: Yeah, and obviously the guy was Canadian because his name is Zed.
0: Zed. <laughs> so
1: I don't know what QT has against Canadians, but you know, whatever. Shoot him in a ball. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. And,
0: and really, the whole camp, there was no need for that. <laughs> right? I know. What was that? Why was that? Like, I didn't understand that at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not into that scene at all, so I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't either. What's, I didn't know the need, you know, like he didn't, first of all, having him in the crate is one thing, but then to wake him up to watch Bruce Willis, which really wasn't necessary because it was, you know, tied up to a chair. Right. And then you actually, you know, tie up the gimp. So if he does get away, the gimp can't really go very far, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, it just adds to the quirkiness of the film, which works because I'm like, oh, these guys are really into what they're doing, you know? Mm, Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I just don't, I just, don't get the actual role of the GIMP in whatever scenario they had planned. That's, you know, <laughs> whatever.
0: So do we know what the business agreement that the the boys in the beginning of the movie got in with Marcellus? Was it just drugs or was there something more to it? I do have we, no we, idea. I don't
1: know why they have the briefcase. Right. Uh, it, the way it looks, it looks like a double cross.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it, it's, it's. I have no idea. Okay. Well, just
2: and if you're going with the theory that um, Marcellus did make a deal with the devil, these guys would be like <laughs> the middlemen and the middlemen kind of screwed him over, so he's going after them to get it back.
0: Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the moment when he shoots him in the face. Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face! <laughs> I was fucking dying laughing. Oh,
2: yeah, I so love that. See, I funny. forgot how much I loved that scene. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember it, but it's another thing... <laughs> Get to watch it again when you haven't seen Pumping in a few years. <laughs> like, oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. It's <laughs> <laughs> like you must hit a bump or something. I just, oh, I, I die every time. I didn't hit no motherfucking bump. Oh, <laughs> <What? laughs> uh, that, yeah. and when they're cleaning up the car,
0: oh, and he's uh, like,
2: you, "You're you're running me in the red." Oh, you're running red. <laughs> they just go, oh, <laughs> the banter between the two, and that the that whole sequence is fantastic. I absolutely love that.
0: I love when Jules freaks out about Vincent getting blood on the towel.
2: Yes. <laughs> How yes. fucking perfect.
1: Jules uh, Jules is a very uh, polite gentleman. who right. does really um dark jobs, you know. Mm-hmm. But like the, the guy is all about keeping everybody happy, you know, but still, you know, getting the job done, which I like.
0: I love when he tries to to wow, wow this coffee. We didn't need no gourmet shit. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, so, so mind blown number three regarding yeah, that scene. So I'm watching this film, okay? They're at Jimmy's house, Quentin Tarantino's character. Yeah. And he's freaking out that, no, you know, they've got this body and they're there and his wife's getting off work in 90 minutes. Right. The Bonnie situation. Why is he so freaked out to have his wife come home that it's going to go straight to divorce? Kind of weird, right? Yeah. So apparently, is that, and okay, to back up even more, mm-hmm. how does Jules know Jimmy and back and forth? Uh, right. Yeah. Jimmy seems like a regular suburban guy, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: So, from what I got from the commentary track, mm-hmm. is that Jimmy and Jules were partners and they worked for Marcellus. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, Jimmy meets, got out. yeah, Jimmy meets Bonnie. Bonnie's like, uh-uh, none of this stuff in my house. If, right. you, if you want to marry me, you'll have to leave your, leave your previous life. So he does. He leaves Marcellus' employment to be with Bonnie. Okay. So th- now if they're there and she comes home, you know, yep. it'll look bad that he's back in, back in his old life, which she didn't want in the first place. Hmm. So, yeah, apparently the reason how they know each other is that they used to be partners before Vincent came to the picture.
0: That's awesome.
1: Again, how uh, – you wow. wouldn't know this.
0: Exactly, you know? exactly.
1: But, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was in a commentary track.
0: Wow. Yeah. So uh, what did you guys think of Tarantino as Jimmy? Awesome. You love it? I do. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Ash?
2: He, it's Tarantino playing Tarantino in a Tarantino movie. Even, mm-hmm. even in Django when he plays the Australian guy, it's Tarantino <laughs> – Playing Tarantino in a Tarantino movie, yeah. I, they're 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 usually funny scenes, and mm-hmm. I uh, I don't think Tarantino can act all that well. To no, be honest. no, I mean, uh, But uh, I think the best performance he gives is in From Dust Till Dawn when he's playing Clooney's brother. Yeah, and, and and that that kills me every time because he's so freaking weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, now I, I mean, it, it works for the film, but I just he doesn't. He never wowed me at all, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, what it is. It's just, it's not a good performance, I don't think, but I think it just works for for whatever that he's going for. It works. He's um, a great
1: cameo guy. Right. I just don't want him to lead. Yeah, know? absolutely. Like, I think DeSaldana is his biggest role.
0: I, that, that's what I was thinking, yeah. I think so, too, because I know he has another, like, cameo-type role in uh, Death Proof. Or, I'm sorry, um, Planet Terror. Oh, he does, yeah. Which is on the you know the double feature with Death Proof, but but that's a total cameo though.
1: Yeah, like he he's on, he does his funny uh, shtick, and then he's he's you know spoiler, he's gone. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, I think kind of jumping toward the end here, I it's it amazes me how well Tarantino can film a standoff and make it just so intense. I love it, Mm -hmm. and he does such a great job with it at the end of this one here. Um, It's not, it doesn't quite have the The same impact, I don't think, as the end of Reservoir Dogs, but it's pretty damn close. Just in terms, it's pretty close in the world of this film, at least. Um, And of course, you have you know, Honey Bunny, Jules, and then uh, eventually um, Vincent uh, Vincent comes back out, and it's just such a, such a cool scene, such a really well done scene. I love that.
1: Yeah, and it's not his first time he's done it. You know, he did Reservoir Dogs, and Mm -hmm. he's got a similar Mexican standoff in um, True Romance.
0: Okay. I've not seen True
1: Romance. I I like it. I've only seen it, I think, once or twice, but I really dug it. Yeah. Oldman is amazing. Yeah.
2: Hmm. True Romance was, well, technically True Romance would have been my first Tarantino film, but he didn't direct direct it. He just wrote it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, for pennies. I think he got like 10 grand for his screenplay. Oh, wow. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Jeez. So... It's kind of wrap this up. It's getting a, a bit long. Let's try to wrap this up a little Sorry. bit. Any? No, no, not at all. It's not just uh, any final thoughts on Pulp Fiction before we before we move on.
1: I think it's got the best two lines of dialogue in any film ever.
0: Okay, and I'm excited um, to hear it.
1: When Butch is with his girl, mm-hmm. she goes, uh, "Will you give me all pleasures?" <laughs> and, and then uh, he goes, uh, "Will you kiss it?" <laughs> And I don't know.
0: I it's uh, just, it just
1: it just hits you right in the in the heart pangs, You know, <laughs> I just I just love that scene.
0: Oh, it's such a that her character wouldn't even touch. I mean, there's so many things that you can't. We'd be here three this hours trying hard, to hard, Exactly. Yeah. But uh, her character, I think, is just odd. I don't know. It's just an odd character to me.
1: It, it, it was, um, you
0: know, what?
1: And, and just and just after that scene, there there's a. You know the scene where he's getting dressed in Mm -hmm. the taxi cab? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's getting changed out of his boxing gear into his T-shirt and whatnot? Oh, yeah. He's got a lit cigarette in his mouth. Right. How does he put the T-shirt on without either burning the T-shirt or (laughs) dropping the cigarette? (laughs) To me, that was was so weird. Right? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I guess he he's got a special power, but I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> no, in my shirt, you know, right in the nipple no. area too. Some of them, my nipples exposed. <laughs> just, just, my luck, you. The, know? the
2: yeah. one thing, the one thing that bothered uh, that that's probably the the probably I think the weakest scene in the movie, and mm-hmm. I think it's because they had to edit it or they edited it quite down a little bit. I've seen the extended version, and they actually had get into like you know, you know her name and what it means, and a couple other. There's like a couple. Really good lines that they just cut, and huh. it's just like that whole sequence to me is almost completely disposable, other than the and then him talking on the phone about you know how much money he's gonna make from it,
0: right?
1: Yeah.
2: But I mean, Esmer, or is it Esmeralda?
1: Esmeralda's, uh, yeah, yes.
2: And that yes. whole sequence there, like you could almost exit, you know, edit out the taxi ride, and I don't know that the movie loses a whole lot, which yeah. is kind of disappointing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah. But I think what's amazing, though, is I mean, the movie's long, you know, two and a half hour movie, but it never felt like it to me. No, um, it
2: doesn't.
0: It just yeah. it's always interesting uh, whether or not it's always moving forward is debatable, I guess. But it's always entertaining. It's always interesting. I'm always engaged. And that's it grips what you yeah, exactly. And that's what I, I absolutely love about Pulp Fiction. It doesn't matter how many times you watch it. It's just it's so excellent every yeah. fucking time.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, like to this day, I've still never ordered blueberry pancakes. <laughs> I should.
2: Well, you With get, maple they might syrup not have and them. Five sausages.
1: Five yeah. sausages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Because
2: even
1: though I already have a pot belly, I, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And
0: whatever. a piece
2: of pie.
1: Yeah, and, and,
0: for breakfast? <laughs> Any time's good time for pie. Okay. <laughs> well, we found Mark's favorite character.
1: <laughs> I relate to her so much because I cry like that. You know? <laughs> when she's crying, when she starts crying, when the... He comes back with the chopper. Oh yeah, <laughs> he has him. If, he, if he's okay, he's like, I'm fine, dude, I'm fine. And she's just, she goes from like a smile to crying. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes me laugh so much. I like her. She's weird, but I like her.
0: But, I mean, I, I I like that moment because like the reason is is because she had been worrying so much about yes. him. Yes, you know? That's why I like that. But I cell phones.
2: I I still that 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 shows up on the soundtrack. Uh, that line where she's like. Whose motorcycle is this? is Chopper, baby. a <laughs> it's Chopper it's is this? <laughs> Zed. Zed's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Zed's dead, baby. Zed's no. dead. Zed's
2: dead. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that line. Let's see.
0: So it um Ash, what do you what are your any final thoughts on this one? I kind of gave mine away there. What what about you? <laughs> final thoughts?
2: Um honestly, I think this is probably his strongest mm. uh film out of the lot. I mean um and i left kill bill and i think kill bill and i and Django blew me away um but uh i think pulp fiction is probably my favorite out of okay. his um so i yeah even now because it does it still holds up really yeah.
0: well so Absolutely.
2: yeah i'd
1: give it i'd give this one a four out of four
0: awesome what about you mark what are you giving a star rating wise
1: oh i give it a four easy it's my favorite film uh part nostalgic you know because i find some of his later films are really strong as well yeah um but yeah i just have a blast every time i watch this you know um every time i do cocaine i think of uma thurman (laughs) every time i do heroin (laughs) i think of john travolta you know uh every time i shoot something in the head i I think of travolta again um yeah no i i i just love this movie um I can't give it enough praise. We could do it through our podcast on this, you know? I, yeah, absolutely. Like we've skipped so much stuff. We could right. do a redux uh, down the line or something. Right.
0: right yeah. But,
1: uh, yeah, I give it, you know, if I could give it more than four, I would. Mm-hmm. It, this movie was, is right up my alley.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. Definitely a four star film. Uh, you know, one of my, one of my favorites all time, let alone one of my favorite Tarantino films. And, um yeah, uh, you know, kind of going through. I kind of want to put these in order. What we, you know, from from our favorite to least favorites. Which, you know, even our least favorite can still be a great film. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I think all of us would agree that it would go Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. At this point, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it is for me.
0: Okay, perfect, excellent. So I guess that is Pulp Fiction. That was fun to talk about, almost as fun as it was to watch it. So that's always a good thing. So let's move forward here. We are going to be talking about Black Mirror, Season One, Episode Two entitled 15 million merits this episode was directed by euros lynn and written by charlie brooker and connie Huck, Huck, h-u-k i'm sorry h-u-q so a little synopsis here 15 million merits it's set in a futuristic world where kids on their 21st birthday are sent to some facility of some sort to pedal to keep the power on they earn merits as they do so. And uh, that's how they pay for food and entertainment and virtually everything there. So, our main character, Bing, he meets Abby and he wants to get her on the facility's singing competition, which is called Hot Shots. Once she gets on, though, things don't quite go as planned. So, initial thoughts on 15 million merits. Uh, Mark, start with you.
1: Um, this is my weekly reminder that I should get off social media. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, I didn't like this one as much as episode one. Okay. Um, I, I still kind of, I, I I don't know. It's like, you know, we are all automatons looking for things to keep for. us occupied. You know, yeah. um, like these guys on the bike, you know, they're, they're just, you know, going and watching media all day long, mm-hmm. playing games, um, never seeing the outside world. It's like, we're all connected and we're always connected. Yeah, And it's hard to get disconnected.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but does it ever go any deeper than that? Would be s- my question.
1: Uh, everything seems superficial. Yeah. You know, it, it's what you want now and not what you want down the line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, it, it again. Th- this show makes things bleak, which I enjoy. Yeah, but it really makes you think of what your position is in life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, just you know, spending so much time on Facebook and spending so much time on Twitter and other social uh, apps and platforms. Um, I I kind of felt like the guys on the bikes.
2: You yeah,
1: know? they always want to. You always want to. You know, get 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 more data, get more media, play more games, <laughs> and. You can't really step away and go outside and play, you know, Mm -hmm. especially in this one where, you know, like it's either you're at work or you're back in your little small cubicle room. Right. Um, Yeah. Not a life I'd like to live, but at least I'd be fit though.
0: Hell yeah, you would.
1: You know, I don't want to be part of that yellow brigade.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I, I wish more was made of that than was in the episode, the yellow brigade there.
1: Well, yeah. Um like this episode, you know, you watch watching, I think it's six one minutes long. Yep. And it almost felt like it was a ninety minute movie. And right. it could have been. Um and that what's good about anthology shows is that, you know, it gives you a, a glimpse of another world, but doesn't answer all the questions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so you want to be in a gray sweatsuit, you wanna be in the white uh, or in the yellow in the yellow uniforms cleaning up or you know, getting uh insulted and uh, demeaned on that other show that they watch where people are being shot with uh, water cannons and being force fed force-fed pies and cakes brother guts yeah is that what it was okay I couldn't yeah. read the yeah. title yeah yeah I don't know um bleak world don't want to be part of it glad I'm here
0: <laughs> you know? alright and what about you Ash what are your open, uh, kind of initial thoughts on on this episode
2: um I liked it probably as much as the first one but for very different reasons okay. um i i i liked it. it was just a kind of interesting look at it um i had some questions about how that would all work to keeping you know humanity going mm-hmm. and they don't really delve into that much it doesn't look like they really allow them you know contact or much contact at all right which you know that that's kind of how we procreate um so <laughs> that kind of question but uh no i it has a, some questions. I mean, you could probably they could probably have done like two or three episodes out of this one. Really, mm-hmm. the setting. Um, I mean, it, it tells a good story. It tell it tells a pretty decent story. You know, as far as Bing's plot line goes, mm-hmm. uh, I would have loved to see some resolution with the girl he was interested in. Um, yeah, so that that was kind of unsatisfying as far as that went. But
1: um, I, th- I think. That, bothered me but it's just yeah. it looks like he kind of bought her into prostitution
0: uh, right yeah you know it's like absolutely what yeah. it was in my yeah i i think that's kind of my uh, there's such a, a main thing uh that idea of there could have been more resolution or something explained more kind of that uh whole thing resonates throughout this whole episode to me um i remember uh brent talking about how it's you know a, a quote-unquote very british show And, um, you know, when I think of that, I I think of something like this, where it's not going to tie everything up and hand it to you on a silver platter. And that's fine. I don't need everything tied up. You know what I mean? Um, I am a stupid American, but I don't necessarily need everything tied up (laughs) in front of me. Um, but at the same time, I, something else would have been entertaining to find out. Something would have been interesting to find out. Um, maybe some resolution with the female, some, you know what what else is there in this world besides this facility where these people are riding the bikes, or is this the rest of mankind? I mean, I don't even know, And are they just well, powering? They were talking
2: about they were talking about another facility' because she was the, the oh that's right try to go to another one but yeah yeah they don't they don't really go into why they're going in the facilities or anything like that, and it's just kinda it's and then like yeah,
0: you go in at twenty one and then are you there for the rest of your life, or did they did they say when they get out? No,
1: the the way I see it is that I think they're all underground because, you know, you can't go outside. At least there's no mention of being outside. Right. So I think they've got all these facilities kind of like maybe like a fallout where it's all these vaults, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is where humanity is now. And either you're gonna be a peddler or you're gonna be a sanitation fatty yeah or you're gonna you're gonna create new content so that we are uh, we don't realize the situation or we just keep ourselves occupied you know so like with Abby all the singers were there but oh you know um, you're hot and we need more porn stars yeah like that whole thing when uh, judge wraith you know she she comes out and he's like show me your tits show me your tits that was shocking the, to me i didn't it was it. it was very shocking yeah. i did not expect that and i'm like oh we're going to see boobies i know um, I got a little you know, excited and i was like oh okay <laughs> I, honestly, I, I was like oh maybe we'll see your movies um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it's like they're you know like this hotshot show is just to create new content to keep you distracted from what we're really dealing with in real life. Right, being underground, having to power your, your facilities mm-hmm. uh, via pedal bikes. <laughs> you know, again, that's from what you're able to see from the show.
0: Yeah. See, I think there were some really interesting uh, choices here, really cool uh, ideas that are talked about. You know, um, the idea that you have to watch the ads, and if you don't want to watch the ads, you have to pay to skip them. And if you look away, the ad stops into, and it makes this obnoxious beeping until you continue looking at the ad. Um, when you buy something from the vending machine, you know people who bought the apple also enjoy the banana i thought was really cool um commercials as you're looking in the mirror the way you pay for things i mean just some really really neat uh kind of terrifying ideas mm-hmm. that feel like they could be something that could happen in our future you know what i mean yeah but okay so congratulations for part 1 you know you've presented some awesome ideas and a co- interesting uh life to lead but the, I think the, you know, the most important part of this is the characters, right? And so the story of these characters, um, I, I, you know, I, I get that, uh, the idea that the guy who doesn't talk very much, especially in the beginning of the episode is now at the end going to make a living quote unquote talking two times, 30 minutes, twice a week, you know, and live Mm -hmm. a nicer lifestyle than he had previously and doesn't have to ride the bike is at least my take on it, which could be wrong, obviously.
1: Well, it just seems that everything is so online and like, uh, have you guys read Ready Player One?
0: No, Uh, I think Mark is, um, uh, uh, Chris is the only one who has.
1: Okay. So in this world, you know, their actual world is horrible. So everybody's online and this is a take on that. And like Bing has no social, um, he he, he's got no social skills because he's he's trying to talk to Abby, and you know he's almost miming like he he can't talk to her because he's so uh, he's so uh, uh, scared, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, he's so awkward. Um, Like all these people are living their lives online, kind of like the Matrix you know, like they're spitting their, their merits on, you know, new clothes for your avatar character. Right. Like, I guess what you, how you can do with Xbox uh, live now, see, I'm a PlayStation guy, so we don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like, you know, you're trying to make your online persona better, but your real life, you're, you're boring. You know, nobody has any skills.
0: Yeah. The funniest part to me was when he was in the bathroom and she was singing and uh, then she comes out and he talks to her and then it's, the The porn advertisement pops up, and it's like, "Hey there, regular user yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to get it to turn off. I thought that was just fucking hilarious That was very
1: funny, very awkward <laughs>
0: um, so it, kind of continuing what my thought was there, um so I feel like again, and you know much like the last episode, I know there's a point that's trying to be made, I get that that's fine. I'm not entirely sure that that point's made well because I think the the thing that, because obviously you know he's going to earn after she gets put in the porn she, he's going to earn the fifteen million again, to go on the show and I was excited I was like fuck yes I love when he he like looks deadpan into the camera and says I'm an entertainer I thought that was another really funny moment, mm-hmm. um, but he gets in there and I was excited I was like what's gonna happen he starts going Nazis dancing then he holds his piece of glass to his own neck, and I think that's a, a huge flaw in the episode because. As they've built this this world that we're watching up, all I can tell from this is that they don't give a shit about the individual. All they care about is that there's people to make the fucking power go. And so he's holding this up to his neck as if that's a big deal, like they're going to care yeah. that he's about to commit suicide. When in, in the reality that they've created, the way I see it, is that they wouldn't give a shit. They'd let him kill himself. Yes. And so then, the guy who is clearly trying to fight against the system. What does he do at the end? He sells out.
1: And that becomes his gimmick.
0: And that, and it's like, okay, what, wh- why did I watch this? I don't, I don't know what the point was. Like what, I, it's a very weak, you know, critique, criticism to say that it was a pointless, you know, uh piece of material, whatever it is. But I'm just having a hard time finding, the meaning or the significance or 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 what the filmmaker was trying to do with this, I get it that it's yes, we're you know aut- automatons just living our our lives online by it which isn't real, um, and not having human interaction, which is what is real, okay, so then your main character just does the exact same thing i i don't I don't know it's I felt like something needed to be different for this to truly mean something. And it wasn't different with the girl, too. I mean, I was surprised that the girl went into the, to the porn industry because it it's just so expected, I think, in the world that they're in that I needed something different to kind of uh, make it more of a complete – work of fiction, I guess.
1: At the same time though, you know, it's like she gets into this porn life, but she no longer lives in her little cubicle. Mm -hmm. Does have to deal with the commercial all the time and the TV being on all the time, but she sells, she has to, you know, sell her body for it. You know what I mean? Like there's like, like, you don't have to be with the working class. So if you want to be popular, you have to sacrifice something.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, and same thing with him. Like he loses his, um, like he's got, you know, he, uh, Sells out his morals. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to make a, a difference and show the world like this is not right, and he just buys into it because he's tired of the world he lives in.
0: And so, why the fuck do I want to watch him? Oh, I wouldn't. Right? You know, or yeah, just, like, like I mean, yeah. like me as as a me watching this episode of the show. Like, why do I care to watch this episode of this of Black Mirror? You know what I mean? Yeah. If if it's, he's what, just like everybody point? else, yeah. Like I just that's what law lo- was lost on me, and it sucks because Brent. Tweeted us last week how you know how powerful this uh, this episode was to him. And that's great. I love that. That's awesome. Unfortunately, much like the first episode, it just did not have any impact on me, really. And that's yeah. disappointing. I think I liked it better than the first episode just because it was more, uh, I don't know, I, I want to say believable, almost. And um, you know, I wasn't laughing at the moments. I was genuinely interested when he was going to go back in and do something. But yeah. I was incredibly disappointed when that's all it was, was, you know, and that's how it ended. I don't know. Just. Uh,
1: and maybe it's my morbid fascination, because I, I really want him to kill himself on, on TV. Right. You know, um, but, guess, you know, this is in this age of, of YouTubers and, and everybody has got their own channel. Mm-hmm. So it's all about, you know, being liked and having
0: viewers and being popular and. Right. Getting iTunes reviews. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Right, Absolutely. exactly. Who doesn't want free movies? Exactly. Oi! Come on, everybody! Oi! <laughs> oh, that's Argentina <But>, rific! Uh, <laughs> ah, that was my line for the end. Oh, a, no, I blew you it, son of a bitch! <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, you know, in a way I can understand, and I, I see us moving into like that direction, mm-hmm. just not as harshly, you know. But it's like you know, media being stimulated twenty-four-seven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the way that we're going, yeah. you know. Everything's streamlined. Everything's at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. I, I find I, because I don't have to leave my home to go see a movie, even just to rent. Yeah. That I kind of lose interest in the film sometimes because I haven't made the effort to go get the film in the first place.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, or you'll just pop something on just because, yep. you know, when you have to pay cash money for that specific film and go get an effort to to get that film, uh, it's not like that
0: anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I thought the main actor was absolutely excellent. He, he did, I mean, everything with the material he had, he did such a wonderful job with it. Oh yeah. So, you know, my criticism is not to take anything away from, from his performance, which I thought was awesome. Um, it's just, I don't know. I felt like and, there was a lot of promise at the beginning and it never went anywhere.
1: And I had a conversation last night about this, uh, this episode. Mm-hmm. So judge Hope, is Rupert Everett. Yeah. I, know. I wasn't up until I pulled up the MDB tonight.
0: Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was him or not. I I agree. I didn't realize it either until until we, I pulled up the like
1: yeah. I was watching this with my friend Melissa and like we assumed it could have been him, but it didn't really look like him.
0: Y- exactly. You
1: know, and yeah, so maybe plastic surgery, I don't know. But uh <laughs> yeah, um up until now, I I I thought it was Rupert, but I thought maybe it was like it wasn't actually him, mm-hmm. but it was.
0: Yeah. So any uh any final thoughts on this episode, Mark?
1: Um honestly, uh, not really. I think I've yeah. said my piece on this episode. Um it didn't grab me as much as the first one. Okay. I think because the first one was so shocking. Yeah. To me at least. Um again, not a bad episode. I just um I I kind of like the first one better. Okay. And uh how many stars do you give this one? Oh, I think I give the last one 4. I would give this one 3. Um again, not a bad episode. Okay. Um a little bit of a different message. still scary, you know, I'm still on Twitter, but you know, I'm still debating it. Right. So, yeah. Um, it really makes you think of, of your own personal online footprint, I guess.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. right. And what about you, Ash? Any, uh, any other thoughts or any final thoughts on, uh, on this episode of black mirror?
1: Um,
2: I'd give it a three out of four also. Okay. Um, and I liked it. It just, there was some flaws with it, but it just, it, if it had been fleshed out a little bit more, I think it would have worked better.
0: But yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I I mean, I pretty much said everything I felt about it. I just, I don't know. I got nothing else. I guess uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a two and a half out of four. I th- thought it was a little bit better than the last episode. Um, just, I like the ideas that were presented a little bit more. Uh, but, I'm definitely not in love with uh, this first season of Black Mirror thus far. So, but that's the great thing about an anthology like this is from week to week they're completely different. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited to see what what is brought up next. But I mean, there's oh, that's one thing I will say was how on the head, on the nose, I guess is the the more accurate term, the speech was by the main character by Bing at the end as he has the the piece of glass to his throat. Um. I don't know. It was just, it felt a little lazy because it was so just on the fucking note. Like this is, this is what's wrong with, with the world. It's, it's media, you know, it's this, it's that. It's everything we talked about already really. Yeah. And um, I don't know, but I, I gave it two and a half stars out of four and I guess we'll just move on from there. And uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that episode three catches me a little more. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's, Going to be that. So remember, uh, next week we're going to be reviewing Tarantino's third film, Jackie Brown. And we are going to finish up season one of Black Mirror. I love three episode seasons. That's fun. (laughs) So and then uh, another reminder that the first five people to leave us that iTunes review that we talked about so much, uh, those people are going to receive free movies. Just email us with your shipping address and I'll send you out a mystery, um, horror, sci-fi, cult movie grab bag. So do that. And the other thing, you know, in seriousness... The good thing about iTunes reviews other than, yeah, it makes us feel good is the more iTunes reviews you get, the higher you move up in the iTunes charts and the higher you move up in the iTunes charts, the more likely other people are going to find your show. And so that's why, you know, I really push the iTunes, um, you know, reviews on Stitcher and, you know, anywhere that you listen to us are always appreciated. Um, but iTunes is such a huge carrier of the podcast and so important to any podcast, podcasts success. Um, and so those reviews really help us because then more people can find us, which is always important. Um, obviously you want to our, you know, our stretch to go is as far as possible. So that's why I'm pushing the iTunes reviews, but, um, so check out cinefessions.com. Ash has a review of the forest, which is going to be going, excuse me which is going to be going live this weekend and always a um, big thank you to Mark and a big thank you to Ash. Thank you guys for joining me. I had a lot of fun talking about one of my favorite films. Hopefully you guys had some fun too. Yeah, it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Very good. All right. So, so I'm looking forward to discussing uh, one of Tarantino's lesser films next week with um, Jackie Brown. So until then, thank you everybody for listening and we will catch you next time. (laughs)